Welcome into NBA Sound System. Gil McGregor here with Scott Rafferty. Scott, have you caught your breath from a weekend of pretty exciting NBA basketball? Not really. I, I, you know, the NBA is a 365-day sport at this point. Like, there's always something going yeah, on. So, yeah. especially in the season, it feels like it, it's just nonstop storylines. Um, Sunday was like, I feel like the first time where it kind of felt like a, a playoff schedule. Like, that first it round did. when it hits you and it's like back-to-back-to-back-to-back mm-hmm. um, nationally televised games. So, it was really fun. And, and I mean, they were great games. So, hopefully, yeah. I, I think it's going to be a taster of kind of what's to come in the, the weeks and months to follow. Yeah, I kind of maybe I'm in the minority, but I'm one of the people I really, really live for that first weekend of playoff action when you have the four games on Saturday, four games on Sunday. It's awesome. And it really did feel like that because talking about this weekend, like it started on Saturday night, right? When Philadelphia snapped the uh, Bucks 16 game win streak, big comeback win. James Harden hit some big shots. Joel Embiid uh, came up big and, and we kind of saw what makes the Sixers so scary. And then you mentioned it four games on Sunday started with. Suns Mavs rivalry is, is is starting to intensify a little more. Uh, then Lakers with a huge win over the Warriors. By the way, Steph Curry is back, so the game is more fun with Steph Curry back. Uh, then you had the Knicks. They're on a nine game win streak. Get a tough road win in the Celtic in Boston against the Celtics without Jalen Brunson. And the night closes with the Clippers getting a comeback win over the Grizzlies. You talked about it a little bit, but um, when, when we look at these games and these matchups. And everything is still jumbled in both conferences. We don't really know what matchup there's going to be in the playoffs. But just how competitive the basketball has been after the All-Star break, this has the making to be some of the best playoffs that we've seen in I don't know when. Like, what do you think? I mean, for sure. I, look look at the standings right now. Like, look at yeah. the potential playoff matchups, right? We, we could have... The number four seeded Suns against the number five seeded Warriors. The Suns just got Kevin Durant. They look incredible through three games. It's obviously one of those games, like Kevin Durant against his former team who he won two championships yeah. with. Yeah. That'd be great. But even beyond that, you know what I mean? Like the Dallas Mavericks and the Clippers are in the playing tournament right now. Mm-hmm. So are the Pelicans. You know, this team is totally <laughs> different if they get Zion back. And then in the East, I mean, I, I think there's a pretty clear top three teams, I would say. Um, but, you know, the Knicks are streaking, the Cavs have been up, uh, you know, they've shown like a lot of potential this season. So I, I think it's going to be a great playoffs. And the other thing to me that really stands out, and I, I think, you know, was a reminder this weekend, is just some of these teams, like even if they're not in the top four, particularly in the West, like they can still beat anyone. Like I, I don't think mm-hmm. anyone wants to see Luka Doncic in a playoff series, mind alone Luka right. and Kyrie, who, who <laughs> seems like he's starting to figure some stuff out next to Luka. And that team, like you you saw that they win a couple games ago against the 76ers. Like the way that they can the way that they play off of their two stars, the way that they're able to move the ball, when those threes are falling, like they, they just look totally unstoppable. And that's what we saw with them in that run to the conference finals last year. So um the Sixers, I mean they're a top three team. I just said that, but they're another team where it's like when you get that best shot, they feel like they can just be anyone. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that too. That if the playoffs ended today, or the season ended today, and the playoffs started today, we would also have Sixers Nets. Um, and and who knows the situation with Ben Simmons and his health right now? But Ben Simmons in a playoff series in Philadelphia, we've seen that before. But him uh, as an opponent, I think that's interesting too. I think the cool thing, or the interesting thing in the Western Conference specifically, 
Um, you look at the record and not many of them jump off the page outside of the Nuggets, right? Like that's the only record. They're the only team with 40 wins in the Western Conference, whereas the, the East has four teams. The Knicks are right there. They'll have 40 wins by the end of the week. Um, but it's because those teams are beating up on each other, right? Like all year, like they, these teams have had injury issues. Devin Booker's missed a lot of time. You mentioned Zion's missed a lot of time. AD, LeBron, you name it. All these stars have missed a lot of time in the Western Conference. But on top of that, these teams are just beating each other and they play each other a lot of times. And it just kind of feels like matchups are going to be so important in the Western Conference when the playoffs come around. I mean, you look at teams like the Kings, who we kind of expected to come back down to earth. They're, they're, they're playing against their opponent, but they're also playing against history. They haven't made the playoffs in 17 years, but they they look good. Right. And like they've looked like a legitimate team. I, I'm not necessarily willing to think that they might win a playoff series yet, but a lot of that is dependent on matchups. I wouldn't mind them if, if the season ended right now, they play the Timberwolves. I think that's kind of a toss up depending on health and depending on everything that, that's kind of at play there. So it's going to be so fun. I think seeding is going to be so important uh, for these teams that are involved. And, and, I, and I can't really think back to a specific year in which. Each series kind of had me on the edge of my seat. But whatever it is, I will look back at 2023 and I feel like we're going to have those types of series all across the board. For sure. I agree with you. And it's the Warriors. I feel like we've been talking about them all season long, but I I still have no idea what to do with them. Like their starting five still has like the best net rating among, you know, starting like units that have played a lot of minutes (laughs) over 100 minutes, I think. Um, they can't still figure things out on the road, but like I, the, like I just feel like no one's going to still want to play them if they're healthy in the playoffs. Um, so whether or not they're a fifth seed, a seventh seed, a tenth seed going into the playing tournament or whatever it is, um, it, it just feels like there's a lot of that too, where you know these teams might not be in the top four, but I still feel like they could absolutely make a run. The one thing that's going to stink you talk about right now, it, it would be Warriors, Suns, and, and at one point it was going to be Clippers, Suns, and it still could end up being Clippers, Suns. We're going to be robbed of a series that probably should be later in the playoffs yeah. and getting it in the first round. I, like immediately comes to mind uh, that seven-game series back in 2015 when the Clippers played the Spurs in the first round, and Chris Paul ends up being heroic uh, on the hamstring injury that that really felt like a conference semifinal round. And even hear guys from those teams talk about that round. It kind of felt like it should have been later in the playoffs and it took so much out of them that that impacted their ability to make a deep run in the postseason. So we could see that happen to a team, you know, your sons, you, you need seven games to play the warriors in the first round. And, that might just derail your 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 run to the finals because the Suns have looked like a championship team. So it'll be very interesting to see if that happens to any of the teams that are involved that, that we look at right now as title contenders. I think that's a really good point. And I think that speaks also to the the value of having, you know, really a top two seed in the Western Conference. Cause mm-hmm. not that I think it's gonna be easy for anyone, but you know, a Nuggets team, if you have to play the Pelicans or the Jazz in the first round you know, over the Mavericks, the Clippers or the Warriors or something like, you you know, no disrespect to those teams, but you'll take that. Same thing with the yeah. Kings. You just discussed it. Like they, they could get the number two seed. And really the difference between playing the Timberwolves in the first round, the Warriors, um, again, no disrespect to the Timberwolves who have been better lately. Anthony Edwards has emerged as a star. It does feel like they're kind of figuring some stuff out. And Carl Anthony Towns, you know, we hope he's back soon as well. But they're just, you know, in a different bracket, obviously, to what the Warriors potentially could be. Yeah, and I'm sure Timberwolves fans would be quick to point out that they did beat the Kings over the weekend, thanks in large part to uh, some clutch play from Anthony Edwards. But seven-game series is much different. And like you said, big difference between uh, playing the defending champions and a Timberwolves team who has some playoff experience, but they're still figuring things out and they are getting healthy uh, as the time goes on. 
Now, over the weekend, uh, there was a lot of fun basketball on the floor, but off the floor was a little bit of a troubling, concerning situation with Grizzly superstar guard Ja Morant. They lost to the Nuggets on Friday. Um, in the early hours of Saturday morning, Ja Morant went on his Instagram live and was apparently seen, um, but appeared to be uh, with a firearm in the video, uh, video made rounds Saturday morning. And the league investigated the situation. The Grizzlies took swift action, issued a statement Saturday afternoon saying that Ja is going to take some time away from the team, at least two games. Ja issued a statement, took responsibility for his actions, apologized to the city of Memphis, the Grizzlies organization, his teammates, his family, um, for what he said was letting them down. A little bit of a disappointing situation, concerning situation, but the, the biggest thing and the biggest concern right now is Ja Morant, his well-being. He said he needed to take some time to figure out just how to deal with with the stress. And 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 I can't pretend to say that I know Ja and, and know the type of stress that he's dealing with being 23 years old and, and kind of having the weight of the world on your shoulders as a, as a franchise player uh, for a team like the Grizzlies. So obviously, first and foremost, the, the biggest concern is is Ja, his well-being and figuring things out and, and then moving forward from there. So um, Taylor Jenkins was quoted for the game. They asked him about it and he said it's just not going to be a two-game thing. It's going to be figuring out um, just the, the best process to, to deal with this and, and figure out what's best for Josh. So just trying to navigate the situation and, and see what's going on with that for the Grizzlies. And it was a tough weekend of news for the Grizzlies. Brandon Clark is also out for the season uh, with a torn Achilles. So hits keep on coming for the Grizzlies. Obviously, first and foremost, got to think about Josh as a big star uh, in the league. So I don't know what you, your, your, um, take on the situation was or, or kind of how the news came to you uh, over the week. You mentioned this 24-hour news cycle, 365 days in the league. So kind of how that happened with you. Look, you said it. It's it's a scary and a concerning situation for, for Ja and everyone else involved. You hope that, you know, he takes his time, like he said, to, to figure stuff out um, and get right. But you you and I in the past have talked about, you know, related to this, but in a different, obviously, bracket. But we've talked about, like, you know, who's going to be the face of the league Mm-hmm. When LeBron James, who is at the the, t- the tail end, the twilight of his career, however you want to put it, kind of like who who can step up to that level. And Jaws a guy we've talked a lot about before, right? right? Just from a talent perspective, how electrifying he is. Um, but then also you see the stuff that he can do on a basketball court. And it feels like he's always breaking like social media records with the, the stuff that he does and how that just you know shows up on social media and everything. So we're, we are talking about, you know, a superstar talent, a guy who could be, one of the faces, if not the face of the league in the years to come. So this is obviously a, a very you know important situation uh, for him, for the Grizzlies, for the league as a whole. And like you said, you just hope that you know he can kind of figure this stuff out and get right. Um, I, I would recommend Jalen Rose. I thought had a really good mm-hmm. um, segment uh, over the weekend on national TV, kind of talking about how he's been in this kind of similar situation as John Morant finds himself right now, um, and how he was able to get himself right. So if, if you haven't seen that. I would recommend that because I thought that was uh, that was a really telling piece from him. And I think that's the biggest thing that that you know you said just there. Like there, there's a lot of pressure that that comes with potentially being the heir apparent of of the, the face of the league and the the precedent. And you talked about that segment that was on uh, the NBA countdown pregame. They talked about you know guys like LeBron James and Stephen Curry and and Kevin Durant, all those guys who have been in the limelight for so long. You know, with that comes a lot of of expectations, and and sometimes. 
it's hard to manage and, and deal with that. So again, I can't pretend to know exactly what it is that Jaw is dealing with or going through that that's caused for a, a concerning pattern of behavior. But I think the biggest thing is that now they're taking the proper steps uh, to for for him to to really figure things out um, and 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 really focus on the off the court stuff because that's much more important uh, than the on the court stuff. You know, every interaction that we've had, um, be it small or quick, with John Morant, be it at All-Star Weekend or when the Grizzlies have come to town, have been positive. I think that it's not necessarily a reflection of his character um, because of things that are concerning. But getting him back on on the right path, I think, is going to be best for him as a person in the long run. And in turn, that will benefit the Grizzlies organization because he is the face of the organization and potentially, like you said, a face of the league moving forward. Now, obviously, it's much more important than what's going on in the basketball court, but it's impossible to ignore um, what that means for things going on in the basketball court. I mentioned John Morant's taking time away from the team. Um, we don't know how long that's going to be. Brandon Clark is out for the season. Dylan Brooks just served a one-game suspension because he received his 16th technical foul uh, of the year, and it kind of feels like things are kind of unraveling for the Grizzlies at a really inopportune time. They're in a very tough stretch of the season, and they don't have that big of a grasp on the Western Conference number two seed. The Kings have been playing good basketball. They're right there. And the Suns aren't that far uh, behind as well. So when you look at this from a basketball perspective and where Memphis kind of stands right now, um, what do you kind of think that that this could, could maybe mean over the next few weeks? I mean, yeah, everything's been so jumbled in the Western Conference. And it did feel like for a while they had built a little bit of a cushion where they were going to be, well, in, in competition with the Nuggets for the best record. I don't think that's really going to happen anymore, but at least that right. that number two seed. Um, but really, the Kings are only a game behind them. Like you said, the Suns are only a few games behind them and everything like that. So, look, beyond, we, we don't know what, how long John Morant's going to be out. Um, the Grizzlies said at least two games, but it, for we know, it could be longer. Um, Brandon Clark was crucial to what they brought off the bench um and Steven Adams they've been missing him for a while and it sounds like he's closer to returning from injury and that's going to be a huge boost for them but um you know for all this to kind of happen with you know 15 to 20 games left in the season where it still feels like they do have stuff to figure out um it, it, it's obviously a lot for them yeah it is difficult and I, I kind of look at the Suns as as that team who really could be the team that that make that leap. Kevin Durant uh, made his debut last week in Charlotte. I was fortunate enough to to, to be on hand for that, um, and it was a pretty big deal. Um, there was media from all over the place, national media um, in town to to see Kevin Durant's debut uh, in Charlotte, and the returns have been overwhelmingly positive uh, for Kevin Durant in a Suns uniform. He and Devin Booker have yet to lose at the time of recording. They're three and zero in their first three games as a pairing. What have you seen uh, from that pairing of Devin Booker and Kevin Durant thus far with the Suns? I know you wrote about it over at the Sporting News about why they are bound to be uh, pretty unstoppable as a duo. Have they lived up to what you expected uh, so far? They have. I I think the big thing for me going into this, you know, them as a duo is just how seamlessly they fit together. Mm -hmm. And how really how malleable both of them are, right? Because yeah. we're just talking about yeah. two guys. Zach Lowe has said it before where Kevin Durant might be the most ma- malleable superstar in NBA history. Just when you look at defensively, he can kind of just do everything. And offensively, he absolutely can, <laughs> right? Like he can play off ball right. at a high level. He's a great shooter. He's a great cutter. Obviously, when you put the ball in his hands, he can score against pretty much anyone one-on-one. And he's also a great pick-and-roll scorer. And really, Booker can do a lot of those same things where it's like he's such a good off-ball and on-ball player 
that it's just so hard to defend both of them. And I think the exciting thing about this Suns team is that you obviously also have Chris Paul, who this season has taken a step back. But we all know who Chris Paul is, and I still think he's going to be you know, a crucial part of this team, what they're able to accomplish this, this, this season and maybe even next season. And DeAndre Ayton, right, who's one of the... He's one of the better senses in the league, and he's still super young, and I think he still has room for improvement. And the thing that's jumped out for me, I feel like you look at all three games that they play together, um, and there's just moments where I, I feel like you can just pause it, and you just throw your hands up <laughs> in the air, and you're like, what are you supposed to do? What do you do? Yeah. Defense, yeah. right? Because it's like something as simple as a, a Chris Paul pick and roll um, with Aiden, while Kevin Durant's on one side of the court and Booker's on the other side. Like, who are you helping off of? Um, yeah. obviously the answer is the other guy who's going to be on the court, with it, whether it's like a Josh Okogi or something, and the pressure is going to be on mm-hmm. them to really knock down shots or figure out ways to kind of figure that out. But those four in particular, I, I just think the fit between them is so seamless. And look, we're, we're working with tiny sample sizes here, but <laughs> yeah. through three games uh, with Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, and Devin Booker on the court, they have a 136 offensive rating um, <laughs> and a 99 defensive rating. So they're outscoring teams by 30, 36, 37 points per 100 possessions. That's not sustainable. That's not sustainable. No, yeah, um, right. If it is, we're talking about like the greatest trio in NBA <laughs> history, basically. Um, but I, I think that goes a long way in saying like, you know, what, what these three together in particular have the potential to be. And that's, that's what was, was so fun to, to see, especially even though it was Kevin Durant's first game. He's on a minutes restriction, all of that. But even before the game, they asked um, Steve Clifford, Hornets head coach, just about what makes that duo so special and, and why they're going to be successful. And something he said is so simple, but it's so big. Do you have two guys in Kevin Durant and Devin Booker who can command a double team without even asking for a ball screen? So how does your defense respond to that now where you have two guys who you have to try and double to get the ball out of their hands just to free things up? And like you mentioned, you have DeAndre Aiden and you have Chris Paul. And I think that's where the fifth guy is going to be very important. I think the Suns have guys who are capable to step up and they can kind of shuffle them depending on who the night is. One night it might be. Um, Tory Craig. It might be Terrence Ross. It might be TJ Warren. We saw in Dallas, it was Ish Wainwright who came and knocked down a couple jumpers. I'm sure teams are going to live with that, but at the same time, they have guys capable of making other teams pay. And on the defensive end, you talked about it. Um, they, they asked Monty Williams, Suns head coach, just about the flexibility that Kevin Durant gives you defensively. DeAndre Aiden can be so much more aggressive guarding ball screens now because Kevin Durant can be a rim protector. He's seven, he's seven feet tall. So like you, you don't worry about what you're giving up now because you know you have a rim protector, a back line to the defense because essentially you have two guys who are out there capable of protecting the rim and doing things for the Suns defensively. I think Kevin Durant coming back with 20 games left was perfect for the Suns, not only in that they can move up in the standings, but also it gives them a, a long enough runway to get comfortable with one another um, as they prepare for the playoffs in the postseason where matchups are going to be super, super important. Um, but but more, more than anything, um, it gives KD and Devin Booker time to kind of learn how to play with one another, play off of one another, and be that unstoppable duo that we think that they can be. Now, that brings me to the big question, though. Uh, you know, we have a new ranked segment that we're going to have here on NBA Sound System and with this one, I think it's perfect to start with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. So Kevin Durant was acquired by the Suns at the trade deadline. It took him a few weeks to get 
on the floor. But as soon as he and Devin Booker took the floor, the results were overwhelmingly positive. This has the makings of being one of the NBA's best duos right now. Maybe it's the NBA's best duo right now, but could potentially be an all-time duo if the success comes with it. That being said, Kevin Durant has had some pretty good teammates over the course of his NBA career. Scott, so I'm putting you on the spot. Let's rank them. Kevin Durant's five best teammates in this career. I think I know where you're going to start. Yeah, tell me why I'm wrong here. Number one, it was easy. It's got to be Stephen Curry. They won two championships yeah. together. Yes, Kevin Durant was the guy who won finals MVP on both of those championships. But Steph Curry is Steph Curry. We know who he is. And they fit perfectly together. It, it was right from the get-go. Um, they fit like a glove. For number two, I, I do think this is a little bit of a debate. But for me, I, Russell Westbrook, it's got to be. I know he's super controversial now. Um, they did make six straight, well, not six straight, but six trips to the playoffs together. One run to the finals. Um, you know, Kevin Durant won an MVP next to Russell Westbrook. I know he's injured some of that season. But, they, you know, it's easy to forget how much they did accomplish in OKC. Durant out of this top five. I have James Harden at three, Clay Thompson at four, and I have Kyrie Irving at five, which I'm open to changing there, just knowing that they only played 88 games together. Okay. Okay. I'm glad, I'm glad that we have a little bit of a, a, a disconnect after two. Um, maybe I'm just, I, I, I think I'm underrating Clay here and maybe I just am a prisoner of the moment because I already put Devin Booker in the top five, but I put him at five though. Um, I have Curry one, Westbrook two, uh, with Kyrie three, James okay. Harden four. And then I rounded that list out with Devin Booker. Um, where, where, which disagreement do we, do we start with here? <clears throat> okay, for me, look, James Harden won a sixth man of the year next to Kevin Durant. That team, obviously, that trio, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, James Harden made it to the finals. I also think, look, that time together wasn't that long in Brooklyn, but James Harden, when he got there, looked kind of like an MVP candidate. I think the results of all three of them in particular when they were on the court were outrageous. Um, it's just unfortunate mm-hmm. they weren't healthy. So I think you put those two together. I also think you'd be surprised. Only six players have played more games as Kevin Durant's teammate than James Harden. Like, I, in my mind, I kind of thought huh. that number was going to be lower, but it was higher than I thought. So for me, I had James Harden at number three. And and Clay, look, the shooting that he provided, I'll never forget the yeah. amount of times when it felt like it was a Warriors game. And it's like Steph Curry's on one side of the court, Clay's on the other, and Kevin Durant just waltzes right, right down to the basket that, because no dunk. one wants to leave him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Um, and also the defensive stuff with Clay too. Like, he, he's That's had true. two serious leg injuries, so it's easy to forget that he was an all-defensive kind of player for a really long time. And, you know, you pair those two together on that end of the court, they they can, you know, they can do a lot of damage. Yeah, I, and I guess I think I was thinking about Kyrie just in a sense of, I think I, I was thinking more, less less what they accomplished and more just what I saw from Pete Kyrie when he was in that Nets uniform next to KD. I and I think that I think that's where it came from. But but I do, as you, as you talk through it, I, I think I didn't spend uh, enough time thinking about what Klay Thompson did. And I don't even think it's it's a matter of, um, you know, where he is now, because I think I'm very capable and very understanding of who Clay Thompson is and who he was. Um, and, and it's not that far off offensively now, especially since the, the year 2023, uh, has, has begun. Um, and I think I just wanted to get Devin Booker in there for the, for the, for the sense of maybe I saw it in person a week ago. And I'm just thinking about what the, the heights that this, that this pairing could reach. So I guess the big question I posed to you then is, do you just need a bigger sample size to, to add Devin Booker in there for him to be in the conversation? Do you need him to win something this year? Imagine if they just played 20 regular season games but go on a run this postseason. Does that get D-Book in there, or does he need a little more than that for you? 
Probably needs a little more. I, I mean, look, when you're looking at this, we're talking about Curry, two championships together, Clay, two championships together. Russ yeah. and James Harden both, both played a ton of games and made deep runs as Kevin Durant's teammate. The reason I have Kyrie Irving is mainly because they only played 88 games together. And I think you're probably more leaning towards like what they looked like and what they could have been rather than what they yeah. actually were, yeah. what they accomplished together. Yeah. So for me, I mean, look, Devin Booker has three straight 30-point games next to Kevin Durant. <laughs> they look absolutely incredible next to each other. Sure, if they play the next three or four seasons together, there's a good chance Booker is going to be five, maybe even higher on this list. But I just think it's really hard to put him in there when they've only played three games. Yeah, I will say the one thing that I when I wrote this this list down, I, you can convince me anything otherwise after two, but I don't think that anybody's ever going to infiltrate Curry one, Westbrook two, which is interesting because it is a bit of a polarizing thing. But I, I think back to what they were doing to that seventy three and nine Warriors team before Clay Thompson happened, which is very appropriate that I'm overlooking Clay Thompson. He's the reason that Westbrook's probably not number one, and also the reason that Curry's number one because if Clay Thompson doesn't happen, then Steph Curry maybe is never Kevin Durant's teammate. So. We can play the what if game or whatever, but um, all that we can say to re- put a ball on that is that Kevin Durant has had some pretty good he sure has. teammates. <laughs> yeah, he, he sure has, has some good teammates. Yeah, um, but to 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 wrap to, to round things around, um, you know, big week in the NBA. The Lakers are uh, going to honor the legacy of Powell Gasol. Number sixteen is going into the rafters of Staples, but it's Crypto.com Arena. But he's going to the Raptors of the arena that was called Staples when he was playing there. And fittingly, they are going against his former team, the Memphis Grizzlies, his first team uh, that he played for when they retire his number. Powell was a a guy I think kind of gets lost um, sometimes in, in the conversation of the, of the game. Definitely, obviously, a Hall of Famer. Didn't get the NBA 75 call, but he was so good. Uh, for that Lakers team um, in the run to the finals in 08 and obviously the back-to-back titles in 09 and 2010. When you think back to Powell Gasol, his legacy in the league, had a number of stops around the league, but what comes to mind first when you think about Powell Gasol? Probably that 2010 NBA Finals where mm-hmm. yeah. um, the, the second championship that him and Kobe won together in L.A., Kobe won finals MVP, but I really think like Powell had a really strong case to have, to win be the finals MVP in that series. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just dominant. I think he had nearly a 20-20 game with like nine offensive rebounds in that game seven, which was pretty ugly game. Uh, that that it was, was a very a ugly tough, game. <laughs> that was a, a tough win. So that that's probably the first thing that comes to mind for me. But but ultimately, we're talking about one of the greatest international players of all time, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he really solidified himself as a star in Memphis, and then in LA, playing just a central role, and then winning two championships and helping Kobe win two more championships. Um, without Shaq. So a, a guy, I think, you know, the, the NBA was different back then. Like he played next to Andrew Bynum today. He'd, he'd be probably exclusively mm-hmm. a center. Um, but offensively, a guy who could stretch the floor, play with his back to the basket, a- attack the offensive glass, just a really, really, really smart player. So um, for me, yeah, he, he's, you know, I, I feel like his impact can still be felt on the NBA today, um, especially when you just look at this, this huge influx of European players and European like skilled big men. Um, like, you know, yeah. Nikola Jokic or, or Joel Embiid. I think the big thing, too, to spell on a notion of, of European big men being soft, right? Like, you know, the, like him being like such 
uh, a cerebral player, but also not being afraid, uh, you know, of contact and, and yeah. playing. You don't you don't win championships, back to back championships, and have twenty twenty games or whatever it was in the finals. Well, especially against soft. that Celtics team too, right? Right, that right, Celtics team had right. Kevin Garnett and Kendrick exactly. Perkins. Like that that was a right. tough team. That was a tough. Team. That was a very tough, a very tough team. And I know Kendrick Perkins was out for that game seven, but still, like for the way he performed yeah. in both in, in those those finals series, like he was a tough player. And and then you know still had productive years when he went on to play uh, in Chicago and San Antonio as well. Um, Paul Gasol really did have a, a much longer career. I think we just think about Memphis and, and, and LA, but don't really think about the other things. And, and then honestly, like thinking about the, the, the role that he had in Memphis, talking about a franchise who I believe had never been to the playoffs before, um, you know, going to the first playoff run, kind of laying that, that first brick, you know, for the Grizzlies to, you know, then take it off and with his brother, uh, you know, in the grit and grind era. And now, you know, where the franchise is, he had a huge role, uh, in that you know, rookie of the year. Uh, you know, way back when, when he when he started his career. So a lot of things that Paul Gasol um, has done over the course of his career. One thing for me, I think about, is it technically off the court? Um, but the first ever game, I was a ball boy with the with the Hornets for uh, almost 10 years. When I was eight years old to when I finished high school. Um, and the first game was against the Memphis Grizzlies. And it was something really small and silly. I was really nervous. And I don't even think Powell knew it was my first game. And he probably, I was tiny eight-year-old kid but he said something to me um it was like really goofy and silly like maybe like use a funny voice to say thank you whatever it was I it just made me feel really comfortable and like I always remember that when I think about him as like a really just genuine guy I remember I told my dad about it because I thought I was like and Pal Gasol talked to me and like he (laughs) personally went out of his way to thank Pal after the game who probably didn't even remember it because he probably just was just being himself um and now when I see him and, and the role that he's taken in, in the lives of, of Kobe Bryant's daughters um, is really heartwarming to see. Just and, and Paul Gasol also just being a huge advocate of the women's game. Um, look, looking and seeing just who he is as as a person off the floor um, and thinking about what he was able to do on the floor. I think that that's how his legacy uh, should be remembered, and I think that it's uh, very worthy uh, that he will have his legacy honored um, with his jersey being retired uh, in the Lakers Grizzlies game. On Tuesday, it's going to be make for an interesting conversation of, of other Lakers who maybe potentially get their jersey retired before. Maybe LeBron, maybe AD. Uh, but we'll cross hey, that bridge when we look, when we get to real it. Real quick, LeBron's <laughs> getting his jersey retired. Well, I I, I I know this was we had this discussion off air today with someone else uh, yeah. that we work with. I won't name names here. LeBron's getting his jersey retired by the Lakers. Like he he won a championship with them. I know they haven't lived up to the expectations the last few years. He also became the all time leading scorer with a Lakers uniform. And Lakers uniform. Also, he's arguably the greatest player of all time. If he's not number one, he's yeah. probably number two. Um, yeah, like you said, that, that could be a conversation for another day, but I, I had to get it off my chest. I'm, I'm, riled, I'm riled up because, this morning. <laughs> See, the thanks for whoever that is that got, that got Scott going. Uh, won't say any names. Um, but it, it does make for an interesting discussion. I mean, that's a good off-season discussion of players who don't have their jerseys retired in certain places um, and players who probably should have their jerseys retired. I think the big thing Let's with get LeBron team is like, retired. It, yeah, right. I mean, man, they just they just place just give that number one away. Like shout to Will Barton wearing number one for the uh, for the Raptors now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I think it's interesting. Like the Lakers lower. Like I think that he kind of helped restore the Lakers lower. Which again, conversation for another time. But uh, I think that there's something that goes into that as far as like nobody being able to wear a jersey again. Like what you added to the franchise. Like you said, Paul Gasol. The Lakers don't win a championship yep. without him, and he he was he was a, an All Star all NBA caliber player while he was there. So that alone is worth it. 
Um, and, and they're not there's their teams that have way more numbers retired than the Lakers and for players who have done way less. So you're not going to hear any complaints about Pau Gasol getting his jersey retired in L.A., nor LeBron James, if and when the time comes. As we wrap up here, Scott, your eyes are always around the league. Any shout outs that you particularly have? I'm very interested to see if we have the same shout out this week. because <laughs> We both shouted out the Knicks last week. And I think there's probably a chance that we do. I think there's a chance, too. Um, Mikel Bridges gets my shout out this week. Okay. 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 We're on the okay. He deserves one. Hit. Very deserving. Yeah. Very deserving. He does. I mean, we just talked about the Suns for a really long time, especially the stuff that he did defensively. Like it, it's interesting, right? I, I think Mikel Bridges was a defensive player of the year candidate last year. He's an all defensive yep. caliber player. And to trade him for Kevin Durant, who we know for his offense, but obviously Kevin Durant just fills a different hole for them. Um, but to hear you, you know, Monty Williams talk about the impact that Durant has on the end of the court, and to see see Mikel Bridges flourish offensively in Brooklyn. It feels like he's just putting up 30 points per game right now on a nightly basis. Um, is obviously he, he showed signs of kind of evolving as an offensive player at the start of the season with the Suns, especially when they're going through all those injuries because he did have the ball in his hands more. Um, but, you know, really showing, I mean, he's, he looks like he has star potential, right? Like if he continues yeah. to kind of go in this direction, he's going to be in that conversation for the years to come. So I think that the fun thing about Mikel Bridges is like he was already a super valuable player, right? Um, at the trade deadline, you you heard those reports of teams offering multiple first-round picks for him just because of what he brings on both ends of the court as a three-point shooter and a defender. So if he adds, you know, creation on top of that, a guy who can create his own yeah. shot maybe for others, I mean, that's that's one hell of a player. Maybe talk about very small sample sizes. Nine games with the Nets. McCall Bridges, 26 points a game, 54-50-91 shooting splits. Just had a perfect first quarter against the Hornets. I think he had like 18 points when 8 for 8 or 19 points when 8 for 8 from the field. And also a huge 38-point game in a comeback victory over the Celtics over the weekend, which also was another uh, one of the big games that we had over the weekend of uh, of fun matchups. My shout-out goes to Jalen Williams, the J-Dub Jalen Williams of the two Jalen like Williams and OKC. He's been awesome for them. Shea went down uh, late February. He came back over the weekend, but since Shea went down, Jalen Williams averaging 23 points, five assists, five rebounds, just under five rebounds, and is coming off of a 32.5 rebound, five assist performance and a win over the Jazz. He and Shea combined for 70 in the win. I mean, maybe the shout-out goes to Sam Presti, man. He can't keep getting away <laughs> with this. Like, there was a really uh, cool article over on ESPN. Um, the, the Thunder had back-to-back picks in the draft, um, but the, the it said that they took Jalen Williams with the second of the two picks because they weren't sure – uh, that the trade to get them the pick before would have gone through, and they wanted to make sure that they got Jalen Williams. They ended up getting both picks. The other pick was Uzman Jang, uh, who played in New Zealand last year. But just just seeing what he can do, what he brings to the table as a big guard, um, was kind of playing in those three, four car lines the Thunder had. They have an abundance of riches with with, with Shea and Giddy and Lou Dort and him now. Um, but thinking about next year when when Chet Holmgren comes back. OKC fans should be very excited about the future uh, there uh, of that team because Jalen Williams is the real deal. I really first noticed it when the night that LeBron broke the record, Jalen Williams seemed to care nothing about the fact that LeBron was making history. Uh, He kind of played spoiler as he led them to the win, but very excited to see about kind of what comes of, of the Thunder and what direction they choose to go with the abundance of talent on their roster. And also, question mark for whoever they draft this year, right? Um, yeah. They get another really good pick. Yeah. So this team, yeah. there's a lot to be excited about. He's been absolutely awesome lately for them. Like great. I know Josh Giddy's teammate was pushing rookie of the year talk. 
You're yeah. not going to win Rookie of the Year. Power yeah, Bank Hero, yeah. I feel like, has that on lock. But so, like, someone's going to get snubbed for a finalist for Rookie of the Year, right? Yeah. I think Benedict Matherin's going to be in there. He's been you know great all season long. But then, you know, between Jalen Williams and then also Walker Kessler, who's played Walker a Kessler. huge role in the Jazz and is still top five in the league in blocks per game. Um, to think that one of those guys is not going to be a finalist, look, they're probably going to make an all-defensive first team. Long run, it really doesn't matter. But to think that one of them is not going to be a finalist for Rookie of the Year, is, 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 it's going to be tough. Yeah, it's going to be tough. But I'm sure one of those guys will use a chip on their shoulder, one note to walk across sure. for whatever reason. I was looking at his stats uh, yesterday. Averaging eight points, eight rebounds, two blocks a game, which is really, really, really impressive uh, yep. for a rookie. And it's funny, all these teams like Jazz, Thunder, all kind of in the play-in mix. So um, the rebuilds are going really well for those teams. So I'm sure in coming years, we'll be talking about them playing for top seeds in the Western Conference. But until then, we will be talking about the teams who we think can contend for the finals and also the fun uh, first round playoff matches is also March. So we'll have some March madness talk here on NBA sound system in the coming weeks, because there are a lot of prospects uh, to be on the lookout for. Maybe one of them will be on the thunder next year to add to their uh, run to the 2028 NBA title, which I'm sure will be here before you know it. As always, thanks for tuning in to NBA sound system. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate great feedback as well. For Scott Rafferty, I am Gil McGregor. Thanks for tuning in. We will catch you here on NBA Sound System, same time next week.